Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to be in church today. Yeah, it's really good to see what God is doing. Uh, yesterday, we had a leader's day. A lot of those in leadership were not there, but those who were there, we had a wonderful time. And I want to encourage you, um, if you were not there, um, to really get listen to all the teachings that we have been doing. If you have some kind of leadership responsibility in our church, then your conscience demands that you listen and you are part of what we are doing. Um, otherwise, your integrity is in question. Uh, so uh, it's not something that I want you to feel like you, are, you have an option. If you are in leadership, then you have to be responsible. Otherwise, do the honorable thing and let somebody else take your place. Amen. On that happy note, let's look at what we've been teaching. Uh, we've been talking about how to impact for Christ. Or sorry, we've been talking about impacting for Christ. And today I want to talk about how to impact our salt and light. Um, just want to go briefly over some of the things we've already been saying. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16 is our key text. But today we're going to look at something a little bit different. Let's read it. Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we've been talking about impact, and for us, what does impact mean? Well, impact is leadership through our influence. Impact means fulfilling our mission to make disciples. Impact will require devotion to prayer for Christ and in Christ. Impact is demonstrated by and through kingdom authority. Impact demands that we are a blessing in the community for Christ, and impact requires team life in Christ and for Christ. Now, this for us is what impact means, and uh, throughout this year, different ones will be speaking and will be emphasizing on different aspects of what impact is all about as we seek to impact as disciples for Christ, impact for Christ as his disciples, as we seek to impact in our community, and as we as a church seek to impact for the nation, sorry, to the nations. And yesterday we spent quite a lot of time examining this, unpacking it, and uh, it was a very fruitful time. Now, how do we impact our world to the point where God begins to change our environment through the gospel? How do we do that? And today I want us to look at an Old Testament scripture that talks about taking the strong city from the Psalms as a guideline in how we impact for Christ by taking the strong city. So impact requires taking the strong city. Now what is a strong city? In the context that we are talking about, it is a territory that is so positioned and governed that it is almost impossible 
for another to take it or to overrule it. It's almost impossible. So like when you look at our society today, and you look at the way things have developed now, even this immediate community, if we really want to impact with the gospel, it kind of seems like an impossible task. It's one thing to do food bank and to give free food out and to invite people to come and have bouncy castle and stuff. And people come and are blessed. One of my friends, he has a church um, in Deptford. And in fact, he'll be speaking later on this month. And um, he tells me that he does this pantomime every year. And they're, they're so successful that this year, now the church building can hold about 200 or so people. But there was, they've been so successful with this pantomime that this year they hosted 900 people from the community. So they had to do like four different pantomime services. And he was saying to me, the challenge is, they do these wonderful things. People come. But how do you bridge it and bring the gospel and transform lives? You think about some of the amazing initiatives that are taking place today. I mean, the street pastors initiative that Reverend Les Isaac, one of our senior elders who used to be in this church, um, um, pioneered, which to me is an awesome initiative. To me, he should be, he should be a, like knighted, a double knight, you know, double knight knight. You know, <laughs> anyway, that's another thing. Um, uh, it's an amazing initiative. It has so impacted our nation. But actually, if you look at it, whilst it, has helped, it, it really has impacted, because crime is beginning to come down in the areas where street passes are, uh, are taking place, it's phenomenal. But the heart of Reverend Isaac is sharing the gospel. And uh, the, the challenge is, how do we now, with that great impact, share the gospel that then transforms life? And I think for me, Whatever we as a church seek to do, the bottom line is the gospel of Jesus Christ has to be preached. Souls have to be saved. Lives have to be transformed by the supernatural power of God. Can you say amen? So the strong city in our context is our immediate community that does not know God. It's our city that does not know God. It's our spheres of influence that does not know God and is hostile to God's kingdom. And really, in our society now, it is clear that the society is so positioned that it is hostile to the kingdom of God. So Psalm 60 verses 9 to 12, he says, Who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. So we're talking about impacting for Christ and how to impact. Say to your neighbor, you're going to impact. Yesterday, there was a prophetic word that came forth, and it was that God was saying to us as leaders that we have authority, and we are to use our authority. I want you to know that God's kingdom is not words. It's power. It's supernatural power. 
God's kingdom is not just words, it's power. Are you listening to me? And as a church, what we are pressing in for is the manifestation of the supernatural power of God in our lives. Can you say amen? So who will bring me to the strong city? In other words, who will enable me to subdue and conquer the sphere of influence that is hostile towards God and his kingdom? That sphere of influence that I am supposed to take. Now, in this particular situation, David, the king, at this time as king, was fighting a very serious enemy, the Edomites. And really, I mean, he, he, in fact, he says this, the, the psalm says this, who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Now, so you have the strong city, and then he says, who will lead me to Edom? Edom actually was like a whole territory, which included the strong city. It was a, a massive territory, but it was a territory that was completely hostile to God's people, God's kingdom. So you had the strong city, which was like an impregnable territory. And then you had Edom within the strong city. Its capi- the Edom's capital was the strong city. And then you had Edom, which was the territory that surrounded the strong city, which was completely hostile to God's people, against God's people. So it's like, it's almost like impossible. So he's asking the question, who is going to lead me to the strong city and take me through Edom? Because it seems impossible. It seems impossible. Whatever your situations might be, and for us as children of God, we need to realize that our challenges have to be more than personal needs. It has to be. Our, whatever challenges that you and I are going through, if it is always to do with our personal issues, we'll never learn to rise above what every other human being is going through. We have to be kingdom-oriented, beloved. We have to be. You know, um, I was sharing with the leaders that uh, the last few months I have been experiencing health issues that I don't normally experience. Now, I finally understood why. But um, so it has meant a lot of weakness on my part. And I'm not used to being weak, you know, emotionally and mentally and spiritually. I'm a very independent individual. But I've had to learn to become a lot more dependent. And certainly when it comes to ministry, I've had to learn to just minister from a place of complete weakness. And to be honest with you, it's been very refreshing and it's very beautiful because it is, it, is, it is reminding me of the simplicity of how we walk with God in his mighty power. And so the issue about taking the strong city, the issue about taking Edom, is not you and I in our own self-determination doing it. Because what I have learned is, even like I was saying yesterday when I was feeling so sick, um, and I was saying to the Lord the day before, how am I going to do this? Because I'm really sick. And I scheduled that I was going to do all this slots. I'm hoping that will never happen again. And, and, and so I said, Lord, how am I going to do this? <laughs> and I was thinking, I need to maybe wish something. And he said, no, you will be fine. Because this is part of what you have to go for. You will be fine. <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you. 
Physically, I wasn't fine. All day, I wasn't fine. But every time I ministered, I was completely fine, I think. Can you say amen if you were there? Yeah. So the point I'm making is, is this, is that when it comes to you and I entering into what God wants us to, you have to learn to rely upon God. You have to learn to look to God. And that's what we're going to see in this context. That's what David had to do. The question, who will bring me to Edom? To the strong city will lead me to Edom. And he answers, is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our enemies. So, in David's context, as the difficulties of taking Edom became apparent to him, as he saw the challenges that were ahead of him, he learned to look at what God had done in the past, but also he also learned to analyze where he was at and then prevail beyond it. And in the end, he did take Edom. He took Edom and he took Petra, which was its capital, and um, he, he did what God had prophesied he was supposed to do. So let's look at how we take the strong city. Now, and how we impact for our world. We must never forget that all that we are going through as people of God has primarily a spiritual dimension. Say spiritual dimension. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Beloved, whatever you face, there is a spiritual dimension first. And you need to be discerning of it. At times, people like to belittle the spiritual side. No, but it's the spiritual side that dictates the natural. And so, when it comes to taking the, a strong city and when it comes to taking a territory, you have to understand that there are forces behind it. And even when it comes to taking what God wants you to take, the strong city, so to speak, that you face, you have to understand there is a spiritual dimension to it. And so the first thing is, it begins by focusing on our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, is it not you, O God, who cast us off? So David realizes if he's going to take the strong city, it's going to be because God is going to do it through him. You have to learn this. In our journey this year and through the years, as we share the vision for the next three years, um, yesterday, it's going to happen as we learn the importance of focusing on our Lord Jesus Christ. He being our primary reason and motivation why we do what we do. Because we want to please him. Because we love him. Because we are growing in our revelation and understanding of him. He's not a figment of our imagination. He is real to us. We are willing to die for him. We're willing to suffer for him. I want to read something in Titus chapter 2 from verses 11. These are not in your notes. A lot of the scriptures I'm going to give, I didn't give it in the notes. From verse 11, he says this. Titus 2 from verse 11. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, 
righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Beloved, this is you. This is what you and I are called to. We have experienced salvation. It says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, has appeared to human beings, all of us. And this grace, it teaches us certain things that we should deny ungodliness. You see, if we're going to take what God wants us to take, we have to learn to differentiate between us and Edom. Edom represents the world. In fact, it represents the hostile world system. It represents that which is antagonistic towards God's people. So we have to realize what we are in means we deny ungodliness and we also deny worldly lusts or worldly desires. At times when I listen to some preachers, I'm like, seriously, you need to read your Bible. The other day I was listening to a preacher and he was talking about holiness and he said, God has not called us to be holy. God wants us to we, we, what did he say? What did he say? I don't want to misrepresent him. He said something stupid like, yeah, it was stupid. He said something like this. God does not expect us or we shouldn't try and be holy. Yeah, that was it. We shouldn't try to be holy. Um, we should just let God be holy in us or something nonsensical like that. And I said, but, but Peter says, he says, be holy for I am holy. And then he said another nonsense. He said, it's not, it's impossible to be holy. It's not impossible to be holy. This is kind of the foolishness that people say. It's not impossible to deny your flesh. It's just difficult. It's not impossible. Are you still there? You know, we like to make excuses why we should indulge our flesh. I, I am chief culprit. No, but the fact is, no, we, we, what we've entered in, means we deny ungodliness. So certain things which are wrong, they are wrong. We can't say they are right when it's wrong. It's wrong. Certain things are sin. It's sin. We can't say it's not sin. It's sin. If you ask the question, is this a sin? You say, of course it's a sin because it's a sin. Why? Because the Bible says, do you agree? Yes, I agree. Don't say, well, you know, if, I, if it was up to me, I wouldn't agree. No, say I agree with the Bible. Nonsense. Tell them you agree with the Bible. I mean, Why? Why do you have to apologize? No, no. You want to take Edom. You want to take the strong city. You can't go apologizing. You can't go apologizing. Uh, Edom, hello. We're here. We're sending a delegation. What do you think? You think we can come into your territory? You're joking. You know, another territory was like Jericho. Jericho was completely shut up because of the children of Israel. Nobody could go in and come out. Because of you and I, certain places are shut up to us. It's like... Because we're coming, they say, no, you can't come. Because the minute these people come in, it's going to change everything. So, no, we don't want them to have any property in this area. We don't want them to be blessed. We don't want, no. And so, to take Jericho, you need a different strategy. The God factor has to come into play. And for me, it's the God factor I want to see. I'm serious. I want a revival 
that you cannot deny. This is a revival. This is the hand of God. That's what I want. I don't just want a crowd. I want to see the power of God. I want to see real power. Blind eyes open, deaf hearing. Yeah, I want to see real power, real prophecy. Not, you know, guesswork. Uh, I think uh, there's somebody here called David Smith. In a bunch of rooms of about 500 people, there's someone called Smith. There's someone called David. Of course there is. There's no revelation. The other day I was watching something. Let me ban you trailer a little bit. The other day I was watching something. And the preacher came on. And he, he called a name. And then he called, he, he described something. And then the, and then the guy came. It's about, a hundred, about hundreds of people, thousands. I mean, I don't even know how these, why these people go to these places. So they come to him. And the guy's preach, so the guy's doing his thing, and he says, he says to the guy, do you know me? And of course, the normal response is, no, I don't know you. So the guy says, well, yeah. And he says, have you, have you met me before? And the guy said, well, yeah, this afternoon. <laughs> After the foyer. And then the guy's like, okay, he doesn't understand the English. Nonsense. The point was, it was a scam. Now, what gets me is, at that point, people should be walking out. But, you know, we are so stupid and gullible at times. In Jesus' name, minus you and me. But we are so stupid and gullible at times. We see an obvious stupid thing going on, and we still are hoping it's going to happen. I remember, I remember that same guy showing a hallucination. A, um, a hallucination. Uh, what's that thing? Hologram. Hologram of, of angels. Like, it wasn't even angels. Hologram, right? And the whole church went ballistic. I'm not, that is a hologram. That is really a hologram. That's just nonsense. That's not, there's nothing supernatural. And then the same guy, he took an iPad and then pressed it and called somebody's name. And I'm like, are we really that stupid? No, that's not what the kind of revival I want. I don't want that kind of revival. I want the person was dying, dead. We prayed and they came back to life. That's what I want. Now, I haven't seen that yet. I haven't, you know. I don't even want flu going. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm having cold, this and that. I don't even want, that's okay. you be healed. And, but you can't tell sometimes, you know. Sometimes the adrenaline makes the thing just disappear and then they go home and it comes back. No, when the head is twisted, and then it twists back. You can't deny it. Yeah. That's what we want. We're talking about going into the strong city. We have to go into that city with the power of God. Then you cannot deny. Then you cannot deny. And for me, that's why I want to encourage you to pursue this year. So it begins by focusing on Jesus. He says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live soberly. In other words, we should live balanced lives. That's what it means to be sober. Your mind is there. Balanced life. Righteously. In other words, your life is approved by God. And godly in the present age. Not the age to come. In this present age. That's how we're supposed to live. That's what we're supposed to aspire for. It's not easy. Listen. It's easier for me now after 36 years, but in the early stages, it was not easy. I know it's not easy. I know how hard it is. I know how much failure is involved in living a righteous life. I know it is. But that's what you aim for. I said that's what you aim for. You don't push back on that. 
You keep pressing in and keep pressing in and you fail and you get up and you fail and you get up and you see that the grace of God has changed your life. He says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this, this speaks of two things. It speaks of his second coming, of course, which is the ultimate hope that we have as believers. The fact that our Lord Jesus is going to return one day. But it also speaks of his visitation to us. That as we press into him, we want him to reveal himself to us. We want him to show himself to us. We want his glorious revelation to us. Because you see, to take the strong city, you have to know your God. He says in, in Daniel, he says, and the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. It's out of that intimacy of knowing God that the strength comes. That's how the strength comes. That's how the strength comes. It's not just having information in our heads. I believe in studying. I like to study stuff. I like to read. I like to research. I think that is awesome. But it's not, that is not where your strength comes from. Your strength comes through revelation that the Holy Spirit reveals to you our Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis. He says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. That's what has happened to you and I. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. You know, lawlessness held us in bondage. It held you and I. We were bound to be lawless. And Jesus, by what he did on the cross, bought us back, paid the price. That meant we no longer had to be lawless. We now could live in the law of liberty. That's what's happened to us. Now, the reality for many Christians is they think they are still bound by lawlessness. No, you're not. You're not. And I think we have to understand that when we're talking about going into the strong city, when we're talking about taking Edom, when we're talking about impacting for Christ, it comes from this place of living a righteous and a holy life before God. It doesn't mean you don't mess up. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. But your nature is different now. So every time you do the wrong thing, you're aware of it. I was sharing my testimony the other day with some church leaders. And I said to them, for me, before I got saved, I thought I was a Christian. I did. And, you know, I swore like everybody else. And I lied and I cheated like everybody else. And I prayed sometimes to God. The day I gave my life to Christ, when I gave my life to Christ, the following day, I realized I became completely aware of right and wrong like I'd never been. Nobody told me this. Nobody said that this is wrong or this is right. After I gave my life to Christ, I became acutely aware of right and wrong. And it was horrible. It wasn't, it wasn't a glorious experience. It was horrible because I was used to doing the wrong thing. You know, I didn't even meet an angel. At least I could have had reference that an angel appeared in my room. It was no angel. It was just in my room, a strong thought. That was it. But my nature had changed. And I was so aware of right and wrong that I was in torment. Because now, 
I was doing the wrong thing and I felt bad. How many of you know what that's like? Yeah, that's called the new life. That's, that is because your nature has changed. Right? So what he's saying is that we have been redeemed from every lawless deed. That's why now the lawless deeds are normal to you. Because you've been removed from that. And that he will purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good work. So what happens is, as time goes by, you are being changed where you become zealous to do the right thing. You become zealful to do what pleases God. And that's how you know you're changing because you really want to now do the right thing. Yeah. So we're talking about how we impact. So we, we impact by, first of all, focusing on God. And when we focus on God, we put the onus of our warfare on him. As you focus on God, you put the onus of your warfare on him. And that means that how you deal with your challenge cannot be in your own strength. Because your challenge becomes his. And he fights through you what you face. This is why, as a child of God, it doesn't matter what the enemy is doing. Every time you use the name of Jesus, the enemy has to subdue himself, has to be subdued. Because it's like you're saying, Jesus is the one who you have to fight. When you use the name of Jesus, you're saying, I'm representing Jesus now. So he fights through us. As we focus on God, God fights through us as a man of war. He's a warrior. You know, Exodus 15, 3, when Miriam was singing and Moses was singing, one of the things they said is that the Lord, Yahweh, is a man of war. He's a warrior. Yahweh or the Lord is his name. In other words, God is a fighter. But how does he fight? He fights through his people. He fights through his people and he fights for his people. Now, at times we think that when God fights for us, it means we don't do anything because God is doing the fight. I want to show you an example in the Old Testament again. Second Chronicles chapter 32. Now in Second Chronicles chapter 32, this is a narrative concerning Sennacherib and the Syrian king who had come to Judah to invade it. He was a very powerful king and he had made it clear he was going to destroy Judah. So he had come to Judah. Now, if you read from verse 1, you find that Hezekiah and Judah did everything in their power to put things in place. So they, they stopped the, the fountain from flowing so that the Assyrians couldn't access the waters. Um, they made sure that they built instruments of war. They strengthened themselves. They put everything in place, right? And then in verse 7, King Hezekiah says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord, our God, to help us and to fight our battles. 
And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Now, what I want you to notice is this. Hezekiah was relying on God. But I want you to look at the verses previous. Just quickly, let's just look at the verses previous. Um, let me turn to it myself. Because if you read that narrative without looking at the verses previous, you will think that Hezekiah just said, you know, because God is in control, we don't have to do anything. It's a bit like many Christians today. God is in control. The battle belongs to God. So let's just sit on our laurels and the strong city will come to us. But look at this, right? So um, in verse 1, it says, After these deeds of faithfulness, that's um, Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Now let me pause there. Hezekiah had been such a great king, was serving God, was a great man of God, did everything right. And as he's doing everything right, right, after these things of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. So the point I want to say is, is this. Beloved, at times you're doing everything right. You are doing everything right. And then disaster hits you. Where did this come from? After all my fasting and prayer, I have sowed my seeds. You're talking about taking strong cities. Strong city wants to take me. I've sowed my seeds. I've paid my tithe. I don't even believe in it, but I pay it still. I mean, some of these Nigerians are setting us free. So I don't even believe, but I still pay. I have done everything. I serve. I'm Asha. I'm Asha. I am coordinator. I have served. I'm evangelism team. I serve everything. Now look at this. At times people have a doctrine that says, if you do everything right, nothing bad will happen to you. It's a lie. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem. Now, when you see that the enemy has purpose to fight against you, what do you do? What do you do? When you realize that actually you're going to have a fight on your hands, what do you do? See, I see people, when they have a fight, they retreat. They become fearful. They make bad choices. They have, they change what they believe. I, sometimes people, that like, let's say they believe in healing, they believe in the power of God and all of that, and then they experience a disaster, they pray the person didn't get healed, and say, ah, this doctrine must be wrong. I've seen that happen many times. What do you do when disaster comes and hits you? When you thought you were secure? Well, what he did was he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs, etc. And then he also, verse 5, strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised up the towers, raised up to the towers and built another wall outside. Also, he repaired the Milo in the city. In other words, he made sure he could fight. But the enemy he was going to fight was way bigger than him. They were a multitude. 
and possibly millions. They were way outnumbered. Now, after he had done all of that, that's when he makes this speech. And the point I want you to see from these verses is this, is that just because God is going to fight your battle for you does not mean you don't do anything. There are things you have to do. You have to learn to strengthen yourself. You have to learn to strengthen yourself. You have to learn to use your authority as a child of God. One of the things that we were encouraged yesterday was to begin to use our authority. With the words that we say, with how we exercise faith. Because some of us have allowed ourselves to be the enemy's punching bag. Things come our way and rather than standing against it, we cave into it. Beloved, that's not what you're called to. You are not called to that because God is a man of war and he fights through you and he wants to fight through you. But you must exercise your authority. There are certain things you must declare over your sphere of influence. You must not allow the enemy to intimidate you or your family or your children. There are certain things when, when, when we see certain dangers coming into our family. No. I mean, I won't tell the children. Sometimes I won't even tell Aish. But we will deal with it. Because we have to deal with it. The other day, my son told me, he said, because when I did my ankle, I was like, this is really weird. He said, Dad, that same day, I, 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 um, I had a problem with my toe. I almost broke my toe. I, my, my, now, my son's a dancer. But it was okay. So I realized, okay, because it was such a random thing. I realized I took the hit from my boy. Of course. Because you cannot touch him unless you touch this one first. Now we hobbled a bit. But, um, <clears throat> my point I'm making is, is this. You must exercise your authority. I'll conclude with this and then we'll pick it up some more. Hebrews 12, 2. I'll conclude with two verses. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, despising the shame, and I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So focusing on Jesus means we learn to fight from his perspective. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So we look at things from his perspective. We approach things from his perspective. And we learn to rely on him on a daily basis. Now, you may mess it up, mess it up today, but pick it up tomorrow. In my younger days, I would like, if I had a bad day, I'd just say, look, I just want to go to sleep now. So that I can just wake up for a fresh start. After all, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Are you listening? Yeah, I'll be honest. I just, I'm going to go to sleep now. You know, it's a rubbish day. I'm not saying you should do that. So maybe, maybe you shouldn't do it. But I used to do that in my younger days. I just say, you know what? Just go to sleep and wake up to another better day. Hallelujah. It, it helped, it helped us, it helped us. <laughs> I conclude with this verse, Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the strategies of the devil. So the point is, is this. When it comes to focusing on God and when it comes to fighting um, and taking the strong city, our posture of warfare is from resting in God. God, I trust you. Father, I trust you. Our focus on Jesus means we rest in him. 
Lord, I trust you. He said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's a choice. Lord, I choose to trust you. Lord, I choose to trust you. But the other thing that you can also do, how you do this is you can feed yourself the words of faith that strengthen you. That's one of the things I've learned. Like if I want to pray more, when I find my prayer life is kind of withering, I like to put someone who knows how to pray on. I like to listen to preachers who can pray. It's no point listening to somebody who doesn't believe prayer works if I want to increase in my prayer life because it's just going to kill me. If I, if I want to grow in faith, I listen to faith preachers. Now, the faith preachers I listen to, some of you might think they're heretics. I listen to Kenneth Hagen. I like Kenneth Hagen Sr. So I listen to him. Because when I listen to him, I get blessed. Now, some of you might believe that he's actually a heretic. So don't listen to him. But you can listen to me instead. No. Um, <laughs> and I listen to, who else do I listen to when I want faith? I, anyway, I can't remember. But I listen to Hagen a lot. And then I listen to other faith speakers who would fire me up. Like someone like Steve Mante. You know, you just listen to the preaching. God is moving. You just, 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 when you just, God, you just in that pause. There's some fire. Yeah. That's what, that's what I listen to. When I want fire, I, I, if you want your coal to burn with fire, you don't put it in water. Yeah, you're listening. That's what I do. So, so when, I, when I'm looking for strength in an area, if I want to enjoy the love of God, I listen to preachers who speak about the love of God really well. My favorite guy is Mike Bickles. Again, you might think he's no good, but some of my friends think, oh, what is he always on about? Don't know what he's on about. I don't find him interesting. So that's fine. But I listen to him. So I'll listen to Mike if I want to listen to the love of God, if I want to grow stronger in the love of God, I like to listen to Mike and intimacy, and listen, listen, listen. And then after a while, like I'll be listening, and then I pause, and then that's it. And then I get fired up. So what I'm saying is being strong in the Lord means you learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You strengthen yourself. You, you listen to things, and you do things that will make you stronger. It's very simple, you know. The other guys I listen to, so like some, 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 one guy I like to listen to, again, I'm not going to mention names because some of these guys, they're a bit rough in the edges. You know? So I listen to him. It's like a ministry. If I, if I want to be fired up for the work of God, I listen to this guy. Now, some of his stuff is really crude, but I'll be listening to him. And as I'm listening, I get so fired up. Yeah. But if I'm feeling weak, and then I listen to someone who doesn't even believe in the Holy Spirit, I listen to someone who doesn't even believe in the power of God. I listen to someone who doesn't even believe that we have to do anything for Christ because everybody's saved whether God wants them saved. Then what's going to happen? I'm not going to be motivated. I'm going to be weaker. I only listen to those guys when I want to debate. I want to debate and I want to know what they're saying. Then I listen to them to understand what they're coming from, but not to feed myself. And some of you, you feed yourself on stuff that takes away from your spirit, that weakens your spirit. And you wonder why you're not really blessed in your walk with God. That's how you do it. We've walked with him for 36 years now this year. Growing by the grace of God from strength to strength. And it's all by his grace. And I want to encourage you. We're going to continue on how to take the strong city. How to impact for Christ. But it starts 
we're focusing on the Lord. Can you say amen? I want you to buy our hands. We're going to pray. Let me hand over to Lindsay. For, for some of us, as the year has begun, we've already taken our eyes off the Lord. And so this teaching, this message actually, is to get you to get your eyes back on the Lord. Focus on the Lord Jesus. And so if that is you, stand where you are. You're saying, Lord, I reset my focus on you. You are my strength. You are my focus. And as, I enter in, as I'm entering into this year, I focus on you. So stand where you are. And as you stand, raise your hands to him. And just rededicate yourself to him. Just ask him for grace. Well, Father, thank you for these wonderful men and women that are standing right now. Lord, I speak strength into them and grace into them that as they focus on you, they will receive your strength. I pray, Father, for those who have lost their way, that they will find it once again. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want every head bowed and every eye closed quickly before I hand over to Lindsay. I want to pray into another area. I want to pray specifically for uh, those who have been feeling extremely weak. Extremely weak. I realize that I've, I've, as I've been ministering, this comes up a lot. And that the Lord, I believe, just wants to really encourage you if you've been feeling extremely weak, um, and I'm talking morally weak, I'm talking spiritually weak, I'm talking where, you've, where you are yielding to things you, you really wouldn't normally yield to. Um, I want to pray with you. I want to just strengthen you. If that is you, just stand where you are, please. You know, God really loves you. I know what that's like. I mean, 36 years is a long time walking with the Lord. And I know what it's like to be so weak morally when you're yielding to things that normally you wouldn't. But you go through this patch and it seems like you can't come out of it. Beloved, there is grace. There is healing. Like we heard earlier on today, there is healing in the house. Jesus loves you. God the Father loves you. The Holy Spirit, he's here to strengthen you. So as you stand right now, just raise your hands to him. Just bring the area of weakness to him right now. Just tell him quietly. Thank you, my Father, for these precious ones. Thank you for them. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for your hand upon them. And I speak strength into them, Lord. I speak strength into them, Lord. Receive strength now in Jesus' name. Lord, that this week coming, they will begin to know your strength. But Father, I come against the hand of the enemy that would seek to afflict them in their minds and emotions. I rebuke in Jesus' name. Let angels be on assignment to minister to them. Receive strength. You know, God loves you. 
God loves you when you fail. As a father, I have a child, I have three children, my seven-year-old, when he fails, I love him. When I have to tell him off, I love him. When I'm disciplining him, I love him. Same with my 13-year-old, same with my 18-year-old. I love them. I love them unconditionally. Father God loves you. He loves you when you fail. He doesn't like the failure, but he loves you. And he's there to strengthen you. And so receive strength from him. He says, as a father pities or has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He says, for he knows our frame and he remembers we are but dust. God knows what you're like. He knows how you're vulnerable. So Lord, receive, give these ones strength right now. I speak your strength and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you. May take your seats.